Free thinkers, and welcome back to another episode of the Free Thought Project podcast. My name is Jason Bassler, and joining me today is the Free Thought Project editor in chief, Matt Agarist. Today, we are joined once again by the wise animated Larry Sharp, who was a guest on our show back in June of last year. Mr. Sharp is running for governor of New York under the Libertarian Party and recently had some impressive polling numbers compared to previous campaigns. We talked with him about his strategies his goals, and how he plans on becoming a formidable force within the New York political landscape. Welcome back to the podcast, Mr. Sharp. Uh, we had the opportunity to speak last June. I don't know if you remember about inflation, police accountability, uh, the cultural divide. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't appear like things have changed much for the better. Uh, perhaps things all. have gotten even worse. Uh, yes. President Biden's approval rating has dropped to an all-time low. Uh, gas is at an all-time high. And we have a 40-year high of 7.9 inflation right now. Uh, is this the Build Back Better uh, Biden economy that you were expecting? Well, two things. One, of course, it's all Putin's fault. Any problem you have is Putin's fault, right? I had a flat <laughs> tire the other day. That was Putin. Just so you know, everything that happens, I had to wait online at the bank. Putin's fault. So just understand that everything is Putin's fault. Just keep that in mind. But to be forward with you, I am surprised. I did not think Biden would be this bad. I thought he'd be regular bad Democrat. I didn't think he'd be special. He seemed like a very middle of the road Democrat. So I thought he'll just be regular bad, right? He's like super bad. Like he's really bad. I'm, I am. So to answer your question, yes, I'm surprised. I did not expect it to be this bad. Um, sure. But I get it though. And the reason is as when you use force to push an issue and not persuasion, when you use coercion, you can never back off. You have to keep doubling down. So there's never a point where you go, well, look, let, I'll, I'll give this example. If I thought that there was a, that your neighbor was going to die, Jason, I thought that was true. And I thought the reason why your neighbor is dying is because um, the electricity in your house is too high. That's what I believed. If I come in, kick your door in, smash your TV and say, TV's off and you can't ever have a TV again. And now your neighbor dies. Anyway, what do I do now? Sorry about your TV? No. Now I triple down. Well, it's not just a TV. It's also because you have a cat. So I come in and I shoot your cat. <laughs> well, the neighbor still dies. What am I going to do? Well, now it's because you have a house. So I burn your house down. I can't stop. I just got to keep going. But if I came in and I said, Jason, I think the reason why your neighbors are dying is because you have too much electricity. Can you unplug your TV? And you choose to unplug your TV or not. Now I can change my mind. So let's say you unplug your TV and your neighbor still dies. I go, wow, Jason, I thought that was the issue. Thank you for complying. I appreciate that. I don't. I, it might be the cat. Can you send your cat to your sister's house? 
you might actually do it. You might go, you know what? Let me say, okay, I'm, I'm not mad at you, Larry, because I chose voluntarily. In fact, if I change my mind and go, it's not electricity, I'm okay because I didn't force you. The force is the issue. And I'll go the opposite way. What if you're a jerk to me? And you go, no, Larry, I'm keeping my TV plugged in. And then the neighbor dies. You might go, oh my God, did I kill my neighbor? Okay, Larry, what do you want me to do? Move the cat? Okay, I'll move my cat. So everything becomes better when you use persuasion. Everything goes down a terrible hole when you use coercion. And that's all they use is coercion. So they can't stop. And they double and triple down. So now when you double and triple down, and again, this example where I've I've killed your dog, burned your house down and smashed your TV, I now have to find some other reason why I did it. So I did it because, you know, the bad guys are coming, Jason. It's because I love you, right? The bad guys are coming and I love you. So I'm going to, I broke all these things. So don't be mad at me. Be mad at the boogeyman that's coming. And I think that's what we found uh, actually happened. Yeah. And then you add corruption in with all that uh, coercion and it's a... Um... It's a, a, a mess, a nightmare. I mean, that's uh, that's one of the questions I want to ask you, actually. Like, uh, like if the state of New York was a person, you know, like and the police killed him, you know how they have the tendency to um, to smear the person in the media, <laughs> whoever the police kill, like it, the media would have no problem pulling up a rap sheet for the state of New York. You know, it, it'd be a mile long and they'd be able to go on there, you know, and, and be able to talk about all the crimes and everything. Um, you know, we are really good. Remember, most of our, most of our governors they leave in disgrace. So yeah, right. We're, we're talking about the last three governors have all left in disgrace. You know, amid controversy, yes. and New York is is in the running now for one of the most corrupt states in the union. You know, currently it was sixth, but with this with all this recent stuff in the last year, you know, um, it's it's working its way up to number one. So like, so what do you think? Take how that, California. You, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's no simple. How feat. do you think you'd be able to uh, to function in this pit of despair that is the corruption, the corrupt state of New York? How do you think you'd be able to resist well, all this? The reality of it is, is you know, I'm 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 already polling at six percent in the Zogby polls twice in a row, two polls in a row, both time at six percent. That's awesome. That's amazing for many reasons. Number one, I polled at six percent before I officially announced. So, and I'm not even on the ballot officially yet until June. Wow. So I'm already at 6%. And when I ran in 2018, I got 2%. So I'm three times higher than I was four years ago. So sure. things are going in the right direction. So what does that mean? That means how do I define a win? Can I win this thing? It's possible. I, I recognize, I'm not fooling myself thinking, I'm going to just crush them all. No, but can I win? Yes, there is a path. Sadly, the path is, is unfortunately not as much under my control. What has to happen in New York State specifically, New York State's about three to one Democrat to Republican. The Republicans never gonna win. They have zero chance of victory, none. Because Democrats hate Republicans, Republicans hate Democrats. So Democrats are not gonna vote for the Republican. So the Republican max is about 35 to 30% is the max that he's gonna get. That's where he's capped. He'll never get more than that. And the Republican hasn't won a statewide election in New York State in 20 years. Nothing, not Senate, not, not governor, not account, not a, a um, attorney general, nothing in 20 years. And the state's getting bluer, not redder. So that ship has sailed. So what has to happen? Our governor, Kathy Hochul, has to make some terrible mistake. If she does, sadly, I can't control that. But if she does make a terrible mistake, maybe she debates me or, or, or hurts somebody, does something bad like that, which makes a terrible mistake, then those votes that don't go to her, those Democrats do one of three things. They hold their nose and vote for her anyway. They stay home or they vote for me. I know the data is in. About 25% of my um, of the people who vote for me are, are registered Democrats. So I do get Democrats to vote for me. 
if I get enough of her people, assuming she makes a mistake, to vote for me, I can win with about 35% of the vote because we're a plurality state, not a majority state. So my path to victory is assuming that I run a good race, which I will. I raised half a million dollars last time. I'll raise at least a million dollars this time. I already have hundreds of volunteers. We already have 30. Um, we had 15 uh, affi county affiliates last time I ran. We now have 30. So I've been building for the past four years. That's why my, my numbers have gone up because I haven't stopped running, if that makes any sense. I've been sure. building for the entire four years. So if she does make a mistake, I have a shot at victory. That'd be amazing. If I have a shot at victory, if I actually win this thing, your, your question is a valid one. If I don't win, your question doesn't matter, right? Because I'm not right. <laughs> but assuming that I win, right? If I, if I am able to get that path and I actually do win this thing, then what happens? Number one, I will actually control the state Senate. The state Senate has enough people who I know already have told me they will actually swap to become libertarians. Why? Because our state Senate is very close right now, similar to the uh, national Senate. With three to four libertarians on the swing vote, I control the state Senate on a swing vote. So I will control the state Senate and the governorship. I will not control the assembly. The assembly is far too Democrat. I will not control the assembly. However, I've already decided that I'm going to take the two. We have two flying vehicles, like a helicopter and a plane that the governor has. I'm going to sell one of them and outfit a bus with that money so I can travel across the state and run the government out of the bus. Why? Because I have to be able to keep talking to the people and being around and in people's districts so I can get the assembly to move my way. Because here's the problem. If you're going to handcuff Larry Sharp, then he will just sit in your district until you're primaried. <laughs> you know, and what awesome, I know yeah. is, yes, what I know is they don't care about the people. That's obvious. But they all care about their power. That's also obvious. So I have to threaten their power base. So if I threaten their power base, then they will they will act accordingly. So that's how I have to control the assembly. So again, if I get 35% and I actually win this thing, to your point, the shock across the country will make me super popular. Yep. The fact that New York State could go from almost the most corrupt, and by the way, as Cato has ranked us more than once, the least free state in the union, take that California and New Jersey. <laughs> so, so we are the least free state in the entire union. So for that to become a libertarian governor would literally change the entire nation overnight. This sure. in this year is the most important election of this year. Every other election will simply make a shift in left-right paradigm a little bit. There's no actual impact. If I actually win this thing, if, if what you're saying actually happens, literally overnight, the nation changes. We become valid. People want to be us. And there's a lot of people who want to be libertarian who can't because the system will not allow them to. I'll tell you how my system is so broken when I'm going through to be getting the ballot. They just can't. It makes no sense. They're destroying their career. So I win. Everything changes overnight. Literally, people start hearing about my views. People understand my policies. Remember, government does four things well, and this is our normal way of doing things. Government's very good at four things. Killing people, very good. You want to kill, particularly if you want to kill them indiscriminately, very good at that. Like masses, awesome. Two, imprisoning people, really good at that too. You want to imprison lots of people, government's great at that. Next, creating bureaucracy. Oh my God, if you ever think, I am far too efficient, government will take care of that in a heartbeat. And the last piece, writing checks. Government writes checks better than banks. They write checks the best. None of my policies can in any of those four, yet I have a policy for everything. If I win, that becomes a valid idea in government, which right now it doesn't. Only those four are answers for every problem. We will then change how things are answered. So that's how I would handle it. Popularity would be on my side if I actually won this thing. Yeah. And I'd be able to control the Senate and the governorship. And of course, then by default, over time, the assembly.
That's how I move things forward if I win. Now, I'll go one step further. What if I don't win? What if I come in second and I beat the Republican? That's a lot more realistic, right? Can I win this thing? I can, but how much control do I have of that, right? Beating a Republican, that I can actually do. I can beat the Republican, come in second. I come in second, that changes the state, which then changes the country. Why? In New York State, our election laws say the Board of Elections is run by the top two parties as decided by the gubernatorial election. So overnight, the state will be run by Democrats and Libertarians. The reality of it is, we don't have enough Libertarians to run Board of Elections in my state. They don't exist, right? It's not going to happen. So they'll have to rewrite all the rules overnight, and they will, and they'll include the Republicans again. They're going to do that. Of course they will. But they'll have to include Libertarians in the government in New York State if I come in second. That would be crazy. And if Republicans actually come in second, uh, come in third to me, that is national news yet again. Yeah. And I'm yet again, I'm on the, I'm, I'm doing this in front of hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people, talking about my ideas and concepts, getting stuff out there, validating libertarianism and assisting every single down ballot candidate across the country. Any candidate running across the country is now assisted if I come in second. Guaranteed, they all get a huge boost in volunteers, in donations, in validation, in press. Everything goes up. Plus, I can cover the, I can cross the country and provide more. And I did that again. In 2018, after I ran, um, I got my, my, I got 2% of the vote and I got party status in New York State. After that, I crossed the state again in 2019. Most people don't know this, but I got 107 victories in New York State in 2019. There were 107 libertarians. We went from zero to 107 in one year. And then the state came by and said, oh, yeah, that that whole deal we talked, we, we're just kidding. Epic prank, bro. You are not a party. Have a nice day. You're all gone. And in a budget line, they got rid of our party status just to make sure we were ruined. So I'm sorry. I went long on your question, but you asked a serious question, and I wanted to give you a serious answer. So, really good answer. Yeah. So my hope is to beat the Republican if I can. I'm going to run a campaign that if lightning strikes, I'll win. And the example I'll give is, is Jesse Ventura in the 90s. Every once in a while, it does happen. I'm mm -hmm. hoping I'm that guy. I really do. And I'm building a team and a policy out that if it does strike, I am ready. I'm not working. So I'm literally ready to take over if lightning strikes. If it doesn't strike, I make impact uh, coming in second. And I still make very good impact coming in a strong third heavily in New York state compared to the nation, right? If I come in third, I make more impact in New York state. I come in second, I make impact in the nation. I come in first, I change the nation. And I think that given the fatigue with the coronavirus lockdowns and mandates mm -hmm. and everything, I think right now, if there was a chance for any of those three options to happen, I think right now is that time. You know, I think yes. that you're seeing people jump ship. They're actually fleeing New York. You know, hopefully those people can stay there and you get to actually get their vote. But yeah, there's so many people that are, that are jumping ship right now from from blue to red and they don't really want to jump to red but that, that libertarian you know we give them a yellow position and that's a that's a lot more appealing than you know than the hardcore gop narrative so yeah 100 you want to vote gold if you can them again i have data that shows the polling shows it people who are blue will vote gold it will absolutely happen the data is there it's demonstrable you can check it out yourself. It's verifiable. That's a fact. People who are Democrats will vote gold. It will absolutely happen if you give them the right answers. If you talk about policies that make them feel happy. Remember, most Democrats aren't happy with the Democratic Party either, particularly the far left, right? And the far left actually, I'll give you an example. Um, the far left often talks about the idea of workers owning the means of production. It's a common thing they talk about all the time. Democrats never talk about that, ever. They just, they go, yeah, 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 and ignore them. So they're unhappy. Well, I have a plan allowed it to happen. 
Now, in the socialist world, they would like to nationalize the banks and make sure the government controls everything, blah, blah, blah. I'm not prepared to do that, right? I still am a libertarian, not prepared. But I will allow voluntary socialism, 100%. If you want to do it, go ahead. I have no problem with that. So what do I what, what I want to do? I want to create a plan in New York State. Number one, there's a special chartered bank, which is a, a state credit union. And now every uh, every county may create its own branch, a county branch, that will only be a co-op bank credit union. That's it. Credit unions are co-ops by default, right? So giving you co-op banking ability sponsored by the state, giving this, giving that you the same value as any other bank, right? Not giving you special status, same as any other bank. So supporting the idea of co-op banking, number one. Second, now, if the, if the government owes you any money, whether that's through um, unemployment, you get fired, or uh, a structured settlement, whatever the case may be, the government owes you money. If you can get 25 people to come with you who the government owes money, the government will pay all that money up front, and you may start a worker co-op. If you take that money and go to that co-op credit union, the government will back a loan for the same amount of money. Go start a worker co-op if you want to. What does that do? It supports worker co-ops. I talk about worker co-ops and I give people the opportunity to do it. The left can have what they want voluntarily. I'm not paying any extra money. It's the same money I'm going to pay out anyway. I'm supporting the same banking structure I support for everybody else so that no special ability. We get the same benefits. And the best part is I do believe there is a part of our economy where worker co-ops can work. They will find out where that works. I don't know what that is, but there's probably a spot in our economy where worker co-ops are going to work out well. Awesome. They'll find it for us and they'll find it voluntarily and the market will respond appropriately with, oh, this is where worker co-ops work. Let's do worker co-ops in this case or these cases, whatever it might be. But what I don't want to do is ignore them. The left sure. hears that and they like it. They go, you know what, Larry, here's what we're saying. And now that the left has two options, take advantage of what I'm giving you or keep throwing your vote away. I'm hoping they'll pick I'll take the voluntary solution. I love that uh, libertarians more accommodating to socialists than Democrats are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's brilliant, yes. Larry. I love yeah. it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, Again, I'm not against socialism. I'm sure. against forced socialism. Coercion, correct. The initiation Coercion. of violence. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, it, I mean, that's where we stand with the Free Thought Project as well. Uh, it's a pretty simple concept, you know. Uh, unfortunately, most people haven't really delineated that distinction yet. But uh I'm happy to hear that your polling has increased there. Um, and yeah. it sounds like, yeah, your continual work with the continual campaigning is really paying off. So, um, you know, I, I've certainly heard your name probably more in the last year than ever before. Uh, so it, it does appear that, you know, even if things don't pan out this race, that you're almost kind of uh, touching on the Ron Paul effect. You know, he ran in, in 2008, he built a lot of momentum. And by the time 2012 came around, uh, he had so much momentum that he almost couldn't be ignored by the media. So uh, hopefully that that does happen with you as well. But in the meantime, have you gotten any attention from the media whatsoever, seeing that your polling is has increased a little bit, or is yeah. that still kind of there are there stagnant? are two parts to that. The first one is um, the the difference I think here is I'm building out infrastructure in the liberty movement, right, right, and I'm keeping it here. So I'm not going to go Republican and go Democrat, right. right? I'm keeping it here. What the libertarian movement lacks heavily in the party, not the movement. I see the movement and the party two separate issues, sure. right? As as the party is we lack experienced talent. Most of, if we get talent, we get talent, they go someplace else or they don't even come to us. I want to build out talent and keep it here. Now I built out a very good team. The best team we had in 2018, the 2020 president of Canada didn't want my team. 
I'm building it out again this year. I will have the best team out there. I literally have hundreds of volunteers who know PR, who know, who know, um, who know how to fundraise, who know how to set up events, who know how to do planning, who know all these things, right? As a candidate, you probably notice I'm doing four or five events today. Um, I can't do this myself, right? A candidate is supposed to do in the perfect world, two things in the perfect world, show up and communicate. That's it. The team should do everything else. Now that's a perfect world. That's not even me. I wish I was that good. Right. But that's the goal. The goal is to move towards that. You go as close as you possibly can. I'm building out teams to make that happen. So yes. And I'm building something that will stay, that will keep going. So that's, that's a critical distinction I wanted to bring up. Sure. Um, the, the next piece is, yes, people are seeing me more and more to the point where um, I'm going on some mainstream media. I'm going on Kennedy tomorrow, I think, again. Um, of course, I was on Joe Rogan last time. I'll probably be back on again, right? I do the Glenn Beck circuit. I'll do that again. So I'm doing a lot of those uh, for sure. Uh, but the most important piece you may have noticed, I got the endorsement of the forward party. Mm, right. I Andrew want to talk Yang's, about that. Right. Yeah, Andrew yeah. Yang's party, and they've endorsed me. So that means... I have that name. Uh, the odds are him and I will do some event together, whatever the case may be. He's crazy busy doing other things. We'll probably do something together is my assumption. And that by default will gain more uh, traction. Um, I'm looking at trying to get to Unite, uh, New York, Unite America, get their endorsement also. They have people who will be doing stuff. So what I talked about in 2018 was the idea that there's a fight in the Libertarian Party, which is do we want to run top of the ticket candidates or just local candidates, whatever. And I would say, no, you got to run both. Right. Because the top of the ticket has the best chance for press, but the least chance for victory. And the bottom of the ticket has the best chance for victory, but the least chance for press. So top of the ticket gains the press, then gives it to the bottom of the ticket so they can win. I literally did that in 2019. As I said, 107 victories. I lost, but I got 107 people elected locally. They were all local, all local victories. So I said it could be done. Then I did it. Now, after that, I said, look, we are the only party that's a real coalition party. We are a party that, again, you just said it. I can keep socialists more happy than Democrats can, right? I keep Republicans happy on Second Amendment far than Republicans can, right? So there's no doubt we can we can be a coalition. Of course we can. And then I did it. I have a coalition of three different groups together to now grow this. We are the coalition party. As long as you understand, just don't use force. It's okay if you're conservative. It's okay if you're liberal. Just stop forcing people to do stuff. And you'll be fine. And so I proved that also. So I think we'll get more and more press because of that too. So I've been trying to grab press and grab people and saying, look, let's move forward and make things stronger and stronger. If we can co if we can do coalitions well, what will happen is finally, I hope, by the way, I actually have some Green Party people who are also joining joining my um my um uh I form believe that former MAGA, former Green, and forward party people coming onto my into my campaign. You can imagine how our policy team meetings are. Uh, but yes, that's that's literally what's happening, right? But if we do this right, what happens? They learn that we can actually create coalitions for certain issues, right? The Green Party is far more socialist than we are. They're far more authoritarian than we are. However, in certain areas, we line up perfectly. Sure. Like we do line up heavily on things like cannabis, as an example. So they begin to learn that I don't have to hate libertarians. I just disagree with them. So when it comes to Medicare for all, they're going to fight us tooth and nail. I got it. But when it comes to criminal justice reform, we're lockstep holding arms. 
And so we can have those different battles here or there, and we're seeing it now in New York, and I'm hoping that can be the example for the rest of the country, that we don't have to hate each other on everything, that we can you know, get together on things we agree upon. Yeah, even the late, great Murray Rothbard, you know, he uh, certainly uh, found some allies within, within the left in the 70s. Um, and, you know, he was a very staunch anarcho-capitalist libertarian. So it can be done, uh, most definitely. Yes. And and there is so much overlap, as you just mentioned, Larry, uh, on mo most of these issues. You know, I think that probably the big detractor is just economic issues. And that's kind of where we part ways with a lot of people from the left, the green party. But um, can you share anything with how your campaign uh, had contact with Andrew Yang. Uh, just a brief, funny story. We had a, a longtime employee for several years. Um, I wouldn't say he was a devout libertarian, but certainly had a lot of the principles. And uh, out of the blue, Andrew Yang hit the scene and uh, started campaigning. He just completely like turned ship. in his libertarian card. Yeah. Yes. And shifted all the way over to the Yang gang, I guess it's called. Uh, so yeah, could you uh, maybe share with yep. us how that, uh, how you yeah. aligned with them? What, what people don't understand, particularly libertarians who are in this, like like we are, we look at things like policy and outcomes and stuff like that. Yeah, the, the average American doesn't, right? And mm -hmm. I was that guy, right? Yep. I was that guy. I remember in the 90s, I'm, so you know, my I'm in my 50s now. So when the 90s, when I was kind of becoming, I guess, understanding what polit politics was kind of getting it in that area. I mean, my, uh, my, my first commander in chief was Ronald Reagan when I was in the Marine Corps. So I grew up in the Bronx and Long Island. So I guess I was more left probably in my, because my family was as I grew up in the city. And then when I joined the Marine Corps, Marine Corps is a very conservative um, branch. And again, Ronald Reagan is my first um, commander in chief. So I think I, I went more right, I think at that point, but I never joined a party at all. Um, by the 90s, I was disappointed in the parties. And I was like, this isn't doing anything. And the, the crime bill, right? Clinton's client, all that stuff. I was like, well, this is nothing. So I was mad. So I'm like, Ross Perot is going to save us all. And if you could, if you would have asked me any of his policies, I couldn't have given you one. And then when, <laughs> when Nader came around, I thought at the time, it's so funny. I thought Nader replaced um, Perot. I thought they were the same party. I didn't know they would. That's how much I didn't get it. Like, I didn't know they're two separate parties. I thought, oh, no, it's the third party. There's only one of them. And then, so Nader, I thought, then replaced Perot. So I became a Nader guy. Again, I couldn't have told you any of Nader's policies if you had asked me, not one. I'd have been like, he's not them. That was basically my answer. He's not them, therefore he's good. Um, and then by, by 2008, I really bought the Obama hope and change. I really thought he was going to be different. I did. And I'm being very far. Somebody said, so how'd you vote for Obama? I bought it. And I wanted to believe it. I wanted it to be true. And by 2010, I was heartbroken. Like, I really felt betrayed. The other people I didn't feel betrayed by because I didn't believe in them anyway. That makes any sense, right? Like, I knew they were going to be bad. I wasn't betrayed by them. They were who they were. Fine. I, whatever. I'm, I'm unhappy, but not betrayed. Obama, I felt betrayed. And I was very angry. And I was so angry, I wasn't going to vote anymore. And I was like, I'm done. Um, it's why, no, If he can't fix it, if he's not magical, no one's magical, right? And I honestly believed that there was going to be a magical savior. I did believe that. I know it sounds dumb, but I'm being forward, which is why I say I know a lot of Americans think now the way I thought then. If we just have the magical savior, yeah. he'll come in and fix everything. And I bought that. And then in 2012... When I heard Gary Johnson speak, I was like, whoa, who's this guy? 
These librarians, they are super smart. Oh, libertarian? They said librarian. <laughs> Whatever. They're just smart. I like this. And the other thing is I was already, I was already, you know, thinking that way. I was an entrepreneur. So I could hear him. I couldn't hear Ron Paul in 2008. I couldn't hear him. I liked Ron Paul after, like 2014, I started liking Ron Paul. I couldn't hear him. That was not where my head was. But my head was in Gary Johnson's. When he talked, I listened. And I was all in. When Gary, I, I actually joined the party. I'd never joined a party in my life before. I joined the Libertarian Party because of Gary Johnson. I started running, uh, helping him out in the 2012 campaign. I became part of the party in 2013. I gave money to the party. I became a lifetime member. I mean, all the things. Then 2016, he's running again. And I'm like, you know what? I want to be his VP. And my worry was what I saw in 2012. Gary Johnson runs, loses. The party fights itself for four years. I said, I don't want that to happen. So I'm going to run in 2016 as, as his VP. When he loses, I will step up. I'll be the center. I'll keep us together. We'll move forward till 2020. That was my logic. That did not go as planned. So as that did not go as planned, I lost to Bill Weld by 31 votes. Not that I'm counting. Jason, stop counting. I'm not counting. You're counting. I'm not <laughs> counting. Anyway, so I lost by 31 votes and Bill Weld became the VP. And then you know what happened then. So I thought, you know what? I got to fix this. And that was another reason why I ran for governor in 2018. I wanted to show people that this could be done. I taught the talk. I wanted to walk the walk so people would believe me. How, how to run a campaign, that it can be done realistically, how to start small and grow, building teams, all those things, right? So I, I did it. 2020 comes, I'm not going to run. People say, why didn't you run? Because I was broke. I did a year and a half without working when I ran. Now, to be forward with you, I live in New York City. I have a wife and two kids. My wife doesn't work. I was six figures in debt when the campaign was over. So... I have yeah. to go back to work and make my money back, right? So I take the couple of years to make my money back. 2020, I, I stepped my toe in for a little bit because uh, Judge Jim Gray decided to run for president uh, in locally, right, in the uh, in, for the nomination. And when he asked me to say to be his VP, I'm not telling the judge no. The judge was my first vote. He was the he was uh, Gary Johnson's VP in 2012. Judge Jim Gray asked me, says something, I say yes. So I I was, and when I say I was all in for Gary Johnson, I raised six figures for Gary Johnson. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and then they Gary, put Weld, Weld in there. <laughs> yes. No, no. I, well, he raised more. Weld raised seven figures for Gary Johnson. So um, if it's just money, Weld actually raised more, okay. more than Gary Johnson. Weld, Weld raised seven figures. But under Weld, it's me. Um, literally, the night that I that I lost the election in, in, in Orlando, I went to a two-hour nap. I came down and I ran the fundraiser that night. I raised $130,000 from that night. So... And then he would like do things like, hey, Larry, do me a favor, come to DC and run a fundraiser for me. I can't be there or whatever, I can't do it. And I would come down and I'd raise 20 grand for him. And, and on my dime, like I would just, I'd cancel my day, get, in a, get an Excel train, go to DC, do a fundraiser and go back home. <laughs> like, hey, Larry, I can't be at a, I, I can't be at a, a debate, you know, in New York City. Can you show up in my stead? Cancel my day, go to Manhattan, stand in this debate and then go back. I did that constantly for him whenever he asked. To be forward, I would still do it. Gary Johnson's the reason why I'm in the party. I will always be loyal to him and Judge Jim Gray, no matter what. I'm grossly loyal to both of them. If Judge Jim Gray called me today and said, Larry, come to California, raise $20,000 for me, I would cancel this right now, fly out there and do it for him. That's that's where my head is. Anyway, sorry, I yapped away. I went I went down a, a long road. <laughs> uh, but my, my, my point being, um, after that, I decided to run for governor, try to try to do something in 2020 just for the, just for him. But otherwise, I was just making money. 
Now I'm back in a spot where I can do it again. And I'm going to take a year off. I'm not working. I haven't worked since November. Um, a year I won't be working. I'll be doing just this, building my team out, being part of the campaign, learning from the lessons that I learned last time, right? Making sure things work a whole lot better, being ready for the attacks that I was not prepared for last time. And hopefully for 2024, people will pay attention to me and take my team. And whoever's going to run for president, I hope they will take my team. The team will be ready for you. Fundraising, PR, ready for you to take whoever's going to be our nominee. I hope so, man. The Libertarian Party right now is in a in a, a bit of disarray. Yes. You know? <laughs> so uh, it'd be but great to get some good leadership in there. The panacea, the cure-all, is a positive candidate. That's sure. the cure-all, right? If we don't, and we saw it, right, in 2016, 2012, when we don't have a, a positive, viable candidate, we're like the Mongol hordes. We just fight each other. Right. You got to be like, no, 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 there's China. Let's go get China. And we all get together and go attack China. Right. But, <laughs> but if we don't find an enemy to fight, we fight ourselves. So we got to make sure we get a good con to yes. unite the tribes because we can't unite. We cannot unite the conates via force. We can only unite the conates via mission. Because you try force on the conates, they fight back. Mission, they join. Libertarian Party has to keep creating missions. And the easiest mission that I can create is candidates. It isn't the only mission, but that's the one I can do. So that's the one I work on. I work on the candidate missions. If we have more missions, more libertarians get together and fight together, that's what motivates us. Yeah, not establishment candidates like Bill Weld. Uh, so <laughs> I think uh, I think you're right on that. But uh, back to Yang, like, what do you think was his appeal, and like, how do you think you could kind of oh god, uh, I went tap so into far, that? I didn't even answer your question. I apologize. No, 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 Thank it's you. okay. It's all good. Okay. I just I, I'm curious about. I'm intrigued no. by Andrew Yang and what people you know really find so appealing about him. I went I went long to to express that I became a libertarian, but prior to that, I was just a rebel. Hmm. Most Americans are just rebels. And the example I'll give you is my media guy from 2018, I got him off the Bernie campaign. Hmm. He ran veterans for Bernie. Why in the world would a Bernie guy come to me? He didn't know what Bernie's policies were. He just knew Bernie was a rebel. Right. And then he saw me as a rebel and he came to me. A lot of guys who were Bernie went to Trump. You would think policy-wise, that's insane. They don't care about policy. They, they know something's wrong. They don't know what's wrong. They know the establishment isn't working. America has been trying to get a, a non-establishment candidate since 2008. We thought Barack Obama was that. We were wrong, but we thought he was that. We were, we've been trying to get a rebel forever, right? Trump wins because he's popular and he's in as a rebel. He hurts now because now he's no longer a rebel anymore. We're no. looking for the rebel. That's why people came to Yang. Yang is the rebel. Yang see me as a rebel. And the best example I can give you is I remember someone sent me a picture in 2018 campaign. It was a guy standing outside his house and he had four flags and he's standing there with four flags. This is a picture to me. Flag number one, Confederate flag. Flag number two, don't tread on me flag. Flag number three, Trump 20, 2016 or 2020 flag. I forgot what it was. Flag number four, Larry Shaw for governor flag. And people say, that none of that makes any sense. Like none of that. And I go, no, it makes total sense. And they go, why? Every one of those four flags for a New Yorker is seen as a flag of rebellion. They're the same flag in his eyes. Mm. It's four flags of rebellion. 
A New Yorker isn't thinking, you know, the South will rise again. That's not what a New Yorker is thinking. He doesn't see that as a Confederate flag. He sees it as a, a, a rebel flag. He sees Trump as a rebel, me as a rebel, and don't tread on me because I'm a rebel. So those are four rebellious flags. And to answer your question, why do we go to Yang? Because they saw the, the, the person saw the Libertarian Party as not working and the rebellion failing. And they saw Yang as, oh, the rebellion could succeed. And they wanted to jump on a positive rebellion campaign. That's all really it is. Which is Biden, right? <laughs> then he, and that's when people left him. If you noticed, once he did that, people ran away from him. And then he did the same thing. Yang then said, okay, I'm out. I'm forward party. And that gained the people back again. Okay. He was just crazy. <laughs> now he's now he's good again. That's how a lot of people think. So he's gained people by leaving and becoming his own because now he's a rebel now too. So to answer your question, Jason, it isn't about policy. It isn't about even personality. It's about, I want to be a rebel. I want to make change. I don't know how. I don't spend time in this world. I couldn't tell you who is who. And I, again, to be forward in my world, I was very pro-Nader, not knowing any of his policies. Sure. And I, I think, think that's why Tulsi Gabbard's so appealing too. She's seen as the yes. as the rebel, you know. And um 100 percent Yeah, but even even she endorsed Biden. <laughs> so it's like <clears throat> I it's yeah, at, at some point it always comes down to the to the party, and it's just crazy. Well, politics <laughs> are emotional, right? People yeah. think that politics is about only about policy. It is, but not only. It's it's very emotional. And so if they see Tulsi Gabbard as a rebel, people will get behind her, regardless of policy, even if the policies hurt them. Because right. they don't know the policies. They just know she's rebel. I'm behind her. Well, I'm sure those thousand dollar UBI checks that Yang was promising kind of helped <laughs> gain some momentum as well. A lot of his people knew who I was mm. okay. because they saw me as a rebel, too. So as we began to talk and I talked about running, a lot of his people, I had his people on my campaign. He had some of my people on his campaign. When he ran for mayor, some people on his campaign for mayor came from my campaign. They went from one rebel to another. So we were already linked through supporters. We were linked through donors. We were linked through volunteers. So it was very easy for us to connect because of that link. And I just kept fostering it, right? I kept talking about it, having time to talk with his team, the teammates, uh, helping them with ideas, helping them with policy issues, all those things. And I spent a lot of time, and for anyone watching who's considering running, a lesson I learned early on in my, not early enough, in my first campaign was to not run a, do not run your campaign like a business. That's what I know. That's what I knew. That's what I did. It's a mistake. Uh, it is a passion project, not a business. There's a difference. And by the time I figured out how to do that, I'd lost six months to nine months of my campaign before I figured that out. And it took me time to, to change that. I'm doing it differently this time. Second piece, you've got to be able to look at both sides of the coin. I was not good at that. I was a business guy. So I was responding to my, to my customers. And in New York State, being a very blue state, the people who were open to talking to me were red. So the red people came to me like there's no tomorrow. Larry, can you be our savior? Larry, can you help us? So because I was talking to the right so much, I basically changed my, I responded to the right. So I got very good at talking to the right. So people thought Larry must be some conservative right guy because he's talking to the right all the time. They were talking to me. So I was talking back. By the time I figured out I need to talk better to the left, it was far too late in the campaign. Damage was done. There was no way I could recover. Mm -hmm. But I've been doing that much better. As you can see, I told you about that, the co-op plan. 
I have been spending a lot of time now also talking to the left, reason why I also got Yang on board. I've been very aggressively trying to also get the left, which I just did not do a good job of in my first campaign. I just, I did not do a good job of it. And I did realize it at least by the end, but the team was already in that mode. We were already there. Our communication just didn't do the job. I am much better now talking to the left um, than I've ever been. I already, I already talk well to the right. So I've got to talk well to both. So I'm getting better at better talking because I really believe that we have to get both sides on this and we've got to get people. Our job as libertarian candidates is to get people who don't vote pissed off Republicans and pissed off Democrats. We get those three, we will change the country. I love it. I, and that's what I like about your approach. You're not just paying lip service to the party to appeal to the to the disgruntled voters on either side. You actually have these well thought out plans that uh, that are bulletproof, you know, like this, the, the co-op banking thing, the, uh, your, your, your solution for that. We talked about last podcast for police. Like that's what this needs. You know, these are well thought out, um, plans that, that, that can actually be implemented and appease a lot of people and solve a lot of problems. Well, the issue is you have to remember something for most of us, our outcomes, we agree upon, right? Most of us are outcomes you agree upon. The issue is how do we get there? Right. And the example I bring up always is my um, my leasing naming rights to infrastructure idea to build money for infrastructure. So the idea I brought in New York City was in New York City, the massive metro area, we have tons of bridges and tunnels. Right now, we named them after our our aristocracy. We named them after senators and, and, and governors and such. Right. I say, don't do that. Do the idea that we have already with stadiums. Right. Why isn't the uh, the the 3M bridge, the Pepsi bridge, the Kellogg's bridge, the Google bridge, whatever. We name it after that. They will easily drop $100 million a year to have that, right? Because it's a 16 million metro person area, millions of people cross that bridge, and it gets mentioned thousands of times on the traffic reports every single day. It's on Google Maps. It's on all the things. They get tons of marketing. So we do that. We can end the tolls. They take care of maintenance. We get money to infrastructure, and we can lower the price of the subway and the buses. So what does it mean? If you're on the left, you want big corporations to pay more. Well, they are, just voluntarily. Right, but they are, they're totally paying more. If you're on the right, you're like, no new taxes, no new taxes and no tolls. So no taxes, no tolls, and the wealthy are paying more. Win, win, win. The outcome is what we all want. I'm showing a different way of getting there. Now we do that, we're good to go. So these types of ideas that allow the left and the right to get what they want, just following my idea of how to get there, creating an environment where we're using persuasion, not coercion, changes everything. Sometimes I, I forget we're on opposite ends of the spectrum, still fighting the same fight, you know, because our job at the Free Thought Project is more to win hearts and minds with libertarian principles and philosophy. And when you say, you know, somebody like yourself, who is a, a principled libertarian, is teaming up with Andrew Yang, it's almost like my head explodes, right? But <laughs> yes. it's because it's their strategy there. And, and I appreciate that. It's more of the appeal to emotion. And that's generally you know, if we're going to be honest, that's what more we have to focus on for voters because yeah. they're not going to be in the weeds with a lot of this stuff, looking at the non-aggression principle and how X, Y, and Z, you know, decided to uh, violate the non-aggression principle or other libertarian principles or whatever. So that, that makes a lot of sense to me, Larry. And uh, yeah, I do see the strategy that you're formulating here and it, it isn't necessarily just trying to appeal to libertarians. And maybe that was the problem before with the libertarian party. It was just too focused on trying to uh, content 
or excuse me, market um, content, market ideas to libertarians rather They're than trying to vote for me. incorporate more of the left and the right. They're sure. going to vote for me already. Right. It's right. fine. I got them already. Right. I don't right. have to make the libertarian happy. I'm the only guy running in New York State. You libertarian, you're going to vote for me. That's just, you know, and if you won't vote for me as libertarian, you were never going to vote for me. So right. it's fine. I don't really lose anything. Right. Plus, there's like nine libertarians in New York State. I'm kidding. But anyway, yes. <laughs> um, but my 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 point is, um, there's actually we act to just uh, to to there were seven thousand registered libertarians when I first started running. Now we have over thirty thousand. So wow. we definitely made massive growth in the past four years. So we are getting more and more. And generally speaking, we get about three times the number of votes than we have registered libertarians. So my goal was to get about a quarter million to three hundred million. Uh, a quarter, a quarter of a million to three hundred thousand registered libertarians in New York State, we can get about a million votes um, every time, which is now unstoppable. We become a force. People have to pay attention to us. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, switching gears here, you were just at the South by Southwest uh, festival, and you did True. a panel with Spike Cohen. That's correct. Yes. Right? Yes. What were you guys focusing on? What was the the panel about? The reason why I loved going there so much is validated what I was just talking about, which is now is the time. This is what you were talking about, Matt. Now is the time. People are seeing it as they're getting tired. They're, why in the world would South by Southwest have us? They're traditionally a music fest, right? Maybe electronics liberal. fest, right? <laughs> and liberal, yes, they tend to be. Um, but the, the reality of it is they're not as liberal as you would think, meaning as, as in democratic liberal. They're actually more classically liberal. The problem is, remember, they're most of them are rebels. All the good artists, when they start at least, they're all rebels. That's what makes a good artist. Whether you're a singer, a dancer, a musician, you know, a painter, a sculptor, if you're just doing what the establishment does, you're going nowhere, right? Now, once you get yours, you become, then you want to have that regulatory capture, right? Once you become the superstar, then all the rules should change because now I'm the superstar. But prior to being the superstar, you're the rebel, right? So they actually are more libertarian than you would imagine. So. The good thing about it is they went there talking about breaking a duopoly. And they had two groups of people, the Working Families Party and Libertarian Party. Now, the Working Families Party is, in theory, uh, a third party, but they're not. In reality, Working Family Party is a party that's trying to make the Democratic Party further left, which I'm not against that idea. That's what you want to do. But what we saw is, as Spike and I were talking about ideology, meaning thoughts, how to fix the system, what will work. The working families person was spending time on saying how hard they do work to fix problems and they're fixing the issues and blah, blah, blah. And my response to her was, I got it. I'm not fighting your work, but you just listed a whole bunch of problems that, that still exist. Yeah. So your work isn't working. I'm not saying that you aren't working hard. I'm sure you have. I've seen you guys work. You guys are working hard. That's a fact. Is it working? If it was working, wouldn't things be better? Wouldn't you have not just given me a litany of 5,000 horrible things that are still happening that have been happening for 50 years? And she just started yelling about how she works hard. So the point is she's trying to get Democrats to do the thing. We were talking about it has to be a third party because it's the only way to change the system, right? You want to fix gerrymandering? Third party. You want to fix negative campaigning? Third party. I'm not joking. Think about it. If you have gerrymandering and that's it's heavily Democrat or Republican, throw a third party in there. Gerrymandering is broken. Broken. Put ranked choice voting into this. Broken, right? Germany doesn't work anymore because now they're not afraid to vote for the third party because you have a, a safety vote with the ranking, right? So you can do that, change that. 
you have a you have a problem now with you know uh, no primaries at a third party, right? Once you have third party things, negative campaigning. Negative campaigning works because when it's only two parties, I just go look, Matt. I know I murdered one guy, but Jason murdered three, so he's way worse than me. You don't want a mass murderer. You want a regular murderer, right? Not a mass murderer. And you're like, yeah, I have option between just murderer and mass murderer. I guess I'll go with murderer then, right? So that's what happens. But now Jane is also running, and I say how bad Jason is. And then Matt goes, yeah, but you both suck. I'm going to go vote for Jane. So negative campaigning doesn't work as much. Not that they care about negative campaigning. They care what works. It will not work anymore. So third party is the way to make that happen. But more importantly, nothing will get done. Right now, if you're a Republican, you cross the aisle, talk to Democrat, you lose your seat. You're a Democrat, you cross the aisle, talk to Republican, you lose your seat. But if you're a Libertarian, you can talk to both. No one's seat is lost. You can actually have conversations. So yes, they were very happy. And more importantly, people showed up. They clapped. They liked what we had to say. And people recognized me in the hallway. And we were in Texas. So that's also good. Being recognized at South by Southwest, another state, something's working. So I was very happy to be there. We're going to be there again next year. It's the right answer. It's showing that this third party concept, this idea of something else is becoming more and more and more mainstream. And Yang is part of that. I want to give him credit for that. Sure. He is absolutely part of that. He is him doing his forward thing because he's popular has opened up uh, for a lot of us. So I'm very happy he's part of it. And that's why I want to be uh, with him on this. Yeah. So, uh, so you, you said a lot about third parties there for a second. Um, I think that, you know, we have, uh, which is awesome. I totally agree. I think that the third parties in this country are, um, are our way out of this, this two party paradigm that's locked us into this basically dictatorship of the two headed monster, you know, but uh, how do you how do you fight against like the Commission on Presidential Debates who, you know, back back when Ross Perot ran and he took a big chunk from from uh, from Bush and Clinton back then? How do you how do you fight that, you know, on the national level? I it's know it's very not on simple. the state level like New York, but how do you go against something like that? that it's all the that, same. What people don't realize is they think we often get mad at the media and blame them for stuff. I don't. I just look at the media for what it actually is. It's not there to help. It's not to do anything. It's not there for that. Like, I'm not, I don't feel betrayed by the media, if that makes any sense, right? I know who they are, right? A snake is going to bite you. Like, I know they're a snake. So I'm not like mad. I'm not mad at a dog for barking. It's a dog. It barks. I'm not mad at them, <laughs> right? So the media's job is only one thing, to be seen. That's their job, to be seen. Everything else is secondary, to be seen. What debates are about is not about left or right paradigm. Debates are about ad revenue. And if you understand that, it changes everything. What does that mean? Let's assume for a moment in 2020, Kanye West ran an actual campaign. He did not. But for the sake of argument, let's go into a fantasy world. Kanye West runs an actual campaign. Here's what I guarantee you. He's on the debate stage. Guarantee you. Why? Because you know, Matt, you would want to watch that debate. Oh, you would sure. watch. Yes, you would. You would watch Kanye. Yes, Jason, you too. You so would watch Kanye. Yes, you would. And that's what would matter. So he could be the Kanye party. It doesn't matter what party he is. He says, I want to debate on CNN and I'm calling out Biden. CNN's going to be like, deal. Yes. 100% yes. So now Biden and Trump have to decide, do either one of them want to show up? Now, do they want Kanye West slamming them for three hours straight, which is what he would do? He'd write a rap about them. He'd be singing about how bad they are. He'd be doing all those things, right? They know that. So probably one of them goes, I'll show up. If Biden shows, 
Trump has to show. So there is now a debate, not because of the commission or whatever is irrelevant, because if they don't do it, CNN, Fox, MSNBC, give him literally an hour to himself. How do I know that? That's what happened for Ricky um, Harrington Jr. and PBS in, in Arkansas. They gave him an hour. Tom Cotton wouldn't show up. They gave him an hour by himself. <laughs> he got like 30% of the vote. Yeah. So I know that already happened. And Michael, but Larry, if we get the 15% or whatever, that's irrelevant. Let's say, for example, in 2016, Gary Johnson, I got the 15%. For sake of argument, got 15%. And then he says, well, so now I got it. Let's do a debate. So here's what happens. Trump goes, I'm not showing. And he already said that. He said if third parties are in, he's not showing. Trump doesn't show. Does Hillary show? No. It Was Gary Johnson popular enough for CNN to give him a, a, an hour by himself? No. They gave him a half hour show with him and Bill Weld. It was boring and he never got it again. That's what they did, by the way. They gave all these people a little half hours to test the ratings. That was the reason. It was because they cared about the, the system. They didn't care. They want to see who is who gets ratings for us so we can do ad revenue. Well, sadly, Gary Johnson and Bill Weld didn't do it. So they didn't give any more. Kanye will get tons of ratings. So they would just not show up. And what would they do? CNN's not going to go, wait a minute, we don't have a debate. We're going to lose all that money. They would have a special town hall with Hillary and Trump. It wouldn't be the official debate, be a town hall. How do I know that? That's what happened to me in 2018. In 2018, I made the debates. The League of Women Voters got me in debates. I was in the debates. Cuomo, my governor at the time, didn't show up. So it wasn't televised. Nobody saw it. So I, I actually won three debates. Didn't matter. No one saw them because none of them were televised. I was in them, though. So then because of that, they were like, well, we need to have ad revenue. So CBS had their own town hall with Republican Democrat without the other three candidates. It actually happened in 2018. So to answer your question, the answer is one thing only. Be more popular. <laughs> That's it. That's the answer. If we're more popular, we will get in debate stage, period. And you've been seeing what I've been doing. I'm trying to get more popular so I can be on the debate stage. But I mean, half of that is kind of capitalizing on the momentum that you get from the media, right? And um, we could do as much as we can on social media. Uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of censorship there. Uh, the, the, the I mainstream... am shadow banned so badly it's embarrassing to the point where I do less on YouTube and Twitter than I've ever done yeah. because I'm horribly, I had, I, 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 before I started talking about the lockdowns, the lockdowns when I got banned, Prior to the lockdowns, I would do a show and I would easily get 10,000, 15,000, 20,000 views. When I had probably people like McAfee and I got over 30,000 views, tons of views. Now I get 3,000. Yep. Yep. I have over 100,000 people in my world, social media world. How can I only get 3,000? Welcome to the club, Larry. Yeah, yes. you're, you're talking to uh, people that lost 6 million fans when Facebook and Twitter took us down on the same day. So uh, yeah, we just got a notification this morning saying our monetization for our YouTube channel was just uh, cut. Yep. Every day there's some kind of new uh, you know, problems we have to deal with when it comes to censorship. And that's kind and of what, what I'm saying is, yes. is the mainstream owns the narrative when it comes to establishment candidates and almost the entire process in general. Yep. And I remember in 2012, that was one of the problems that we were seeing with Ron Paul is like they wouldn't even mm -hmm. mention him as a candidate. They wouldn't mention him in the polls. It was almost like he didn't exist at all. So I guess maybe to, to add to Matt's question, like how do we avoid that? How do we, I mean, it's one thing to be popular and already have that organic stimulation and motivation and momentum. But uh, if you're somebody who is still kind of on the cusp of becoming somebody who is 
uh, nationally recognized. Um, and how, he, how let we... me interject something real quick on that. He, Ron Paul was actually winning these debates when they were letting him on there. And yes. they would have like the dial in text in debates. And, you know, they'd, they'd put the poll up on the TV screen and it'd be 80% of the people, you know, saying Ron Paul won and uh, on CNN, on Fox, on every one of those stations. And they would actually like, they, they wouldn't, they would just say who came in second, third and fourth. They wouldn't even mention Ron Paul. Like they deliberately attempted to, to exclude him from the entire, uh, you know, from the entire debate. And, and it, it, it helped ratings and everything too. I mean, people loved watching establishment candidates get called out when he, when Romney was talking about uh, or tried to hit back at Ron Paul for wanting to end the drug war. And Ron Paul said, well, if heroin were legal, Mitt, would you do it? <laughs> you know, like that's, that shit sells some ads on TV. Like that makes me want to go, you know, to go watch some, some debates like that. But yeah, they, they, they definitely, you know, played a large role in, in suppressing everything that he was saying up to, so and let me try you know, to touch two parts of that if I could. The yeah. first part is um, ads are pay to play, right? Being covered is pay to play. Um, most people don't know this. So if, if I want to, I would ask them in 2018, why am I not being covered in the local newspaper? They were very forward. You don't buy ads. Buy ads, you get covered. It's mm. pay to play. Buy ads in a radio station, mm. you get covered. Literally, I did, it, I did it later on with another candidate. I was supporting a local candidate. And we went and raised some money and we went and, and did a little campaign. And literally, it's literal pay to play. He gave the check and the sales rep took it and said, let me introduce you to our political reporter. Literal <laughs> pay to play. Like not kind of, literal. Yeah. Give me the check. Here's our reporter. That literally how it works. So that's how that works. So what does it mean? If they see Ron Paul as a flash in the pan, but they see mainstream establishment Democrats writing them checks constantly, month over month over month, they support them. Again, the media doesn't care. It only cares about revenue. That's all it, it doesn't care about anything else. Media is to be another form of entertainment. We should look at media like a movie or anything else, right? We think media is special. It's not. It's just a movie. I'm not mad at the, the next whatever Avenger movie trying to make a lot of money. It's supposed to. That's what it does. I'm okay with that, right? And when, if I like the new movie, I go watch it. I give them my whatever, 20 bucks, whatever it costs nowadays. And I'm happy. I watch the movie. I love it. It's awesome. If I want to go to the media, I want to be entertained and have, you know, whatever, Rachel Maddow or uh, Sean Hannity yell at me and tell me how the other guy's bad. I go watch it and I get to watch commercials for whatever the new drug of the day is. So I go watch that and that's what I do, right? That's how it works. So I'm not mad at them for this. And I think we should realize that the media is about being seen. So if Ron Paul can't give them enough money in the long run, they're not going to support him. How do we do that? Several ways we do that. Number one. Go on every single podcast you possibly can, and that's what I do. Literally, I'll be on three or four today, right? As much as I possibly can, right? And go on podcasts that have nothing to do with you. Like I was on a vaping podcast, right? <laughs> I will go on podcasts because they're not being banned and they vote. So what do I care? I go on any podcast. That's about anything. It doesn't matter. I go on parental rights. I go on those podcasts. It does not matter. I go on any podcast. Next, go on what your enemy's podcast should be. I went on Vosh's podcast. I was on his show, right? I was on uh, Destiny's podcast. These people are hardcore left. They And, and their chat destroyed me. <laughs> Just destroyed me. So they think. And I, and I knew it. But the, here's the best part. A bunch of them were like, no, this guy Larry's pretty good. I mm -hmm. argued in good faith, even when some of them were not doing good faith. I still argued in good faith. I took all the slings and arrows. I got my ass beat in many cases. But in the long run, I pull people to my side. 
There are people who are still watching me, listening to me, who came from those podcasts. That takes a long time, which why, which why I've been doing this literally for four years, Jason, to your point. You've got to keep doing it and keep doing it, and you'll draw people over until the reality of it is when they're pissed off enough or angry enough and they see me as hope, they'll support me whenever that time comes because their people are going to disappoint because they always do. And when they disappoint, they're going to be like, you know what? I think Larry was finally right. I'm going to come to him. So it is not easy. We are we are against everything. So we, sure. if you're going to be a third party and run, I would say this. If you're going to run, remember, you're going to have to work twice as hard for half the result. And there is no recourse. You have to accept that as true. You are going to work twice as hard for half the result. If you can't do that or you're mad, don't run. Because that is what you're going to do. And there's no recourse at all. You'll be constantly disrespected. If you can't put up with that, don't do it. And you're going to be backstabbed by your own people. And when they backstab you, you got to pull the knife out and go, ah, Jason, this is your property. You got to go do that. <laughs> um, yes, because the problem is we are too small to be fighting each other. Yep. So, you know, Jason gets mad at me now because not libertarian enough. But guess what? Three months from now, I need him. So, sure. in fact, to be forward with you, I have people on my team who literally backstabbed me in 2018. They're on my team now. People who literally got me to, to, to pay fines from the BOE because they reported me, libertarians. Um, they're on my team now. So you will, particularly when you first start running, your greatest enemies will always be the libertarians. They'll be the ones who will hurt you more than anybody else. Sure. They will stab you. They will they will, they will will backstab you. And here's the worst, but the part that has always personally driven me nuts is I can spend years showing them who I am. One tweet, one Facebook post, one meme that is kind of iffy, they don't DM me and go, Larry, what'd you mean? Full on blast, Larry's a socialist. Sure. <laughs> full on blast. Like yep. full on blast. Not even a, hey, what'd you mean? I mean, maybe I am a closet socialist, but then DM me and I'll tell you, yeah, it's all, of, it's the, I've been playing a long con, right? I've been, <laughs> since 2016, I've been trying to take over the world, make it communist, I guess, whatever. But if that's my plan, I'll come clean. That's what I'm telling you. If that's my plan, I'll come clean if you catch me. Right. But my point is, I would like them to just kind of DM me. And the other issue to remember sure. is I have a massive team, literally of hundreds of people. My close my close team is dozens. I'm not doing most of the stuff online to be forward with you. I can't. I kid. Things are being posted right now. I'm with you. Clearly, it's not me doing it. Right. Sure. So I have to have a team. I'm on up to, to other point, Matt. I, I'm on all the things. I'm on Instagram, I'm on Getter, I'm on MeWe, I'm on Parler, I'm on Odyssey, I'm on I'm on all of them because I have to, when I do my show, I, I stream to eight different platforms because I'm trying to get more. Like I only get a couple hundred out of each. So I've got to get a couple hundred to equal my thousands, right? To, to On all the platforms. It's how I have to fight this war. So when libertarians go nuts over that, it does it does sometimes get to me. It does bother me sometimes. Um, but I just, I accept it. It is what it is. So I guess to your point, you just, you work harder. You accept that you're going to have to work harder for less results. You have to run your campaign like a passion project because you're going to fail constantly. And people have to be on board and go, I'm, I'm, I know we're failing. Let's keep going. And you've got to do something else. You've got to prepare for the future. Someone asked me when I was in Jersey years ago, they said, Larry, um, you know, what's your archetype in the movies? I said, I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'm the guy who dies fighting Darth Vader, but I'm stronger after my death and I help the rebels win. In the long run, the rebels win, but I don't mind being Darth. It's fine. I'll, I'll be Obi-Wan Kenobi. I'll die fighting Darth Vader. It's fine. 
I don't mind. As long as you guys win. So the, the joke I used to use when I was running is I said, I'm a Marine. I don't mind being in the front line. So I'll break a hole. I will. But you got to follow me through. Yeah. And on that note, you know, I could tell this is a passion project for you. You don't talk mm -hmm. like a politician. You, you make sense. I could tell by the passion in your voice that this is something yep. that you're doing because you care and you see the importance of it for future generations. And because of that, we'll do whatever we can to help you out and share your posts you. and continue to retweet and get the word out there. So that's something you could expect from us. LarrySharp.com. Um, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I need um, I need volunteers. I need donations and volunteers, right? And a volunteer, by the way, there's four different spots you can volunteer for. Policy team, I need people to write white papers. Um, we're struggling to find people to write white papers. So if you're good at if you're good at that kind of thing, research white papers, we need that desperately because our policies have to have logic behind them that can be documented. We're we're, we're behind on that. Um, I need people for petitioning, like there's no tomorrow. Social media people too. Need that too, absolutely. And then people generically to do things like events and such. Sure. Well, we're running out of time here. So uh, please don't forget to consider donating and subscribing. If you appreciate our work, go to our website, thefreethoughtproject.com. At the top, you'll see tabs for our membership. Uh, we also have our store tab up there for t-shirts, merch, a uh, bunch of other stuff and follow us on social media. We're on 16 different social media platforms, much like Larry. And uh, <laughs> please review rate this podcast. If you enjoyed it um, and help us get out to other free thinkers. And thank you so much for your time today, Larry. Um, yeah, we will do what we can to continue to try to help you. And we'd love to have you on again in the future and best of luck with this campaign. Yeah, man. All those links that Larry just mentioned, we'll have that in the podcast. You'll be able to, whatever you're viewing this or listening to this on, uh, we'll, you'll be able to scroll down to the bottom and see. And if you want to help Larry's campaign, you can do so at the bottom. Peace out. Right, man. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me.